As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey guys, it's Ari Wasserman here, and just simply put, we're back. I just want to informally get on here and let you know that I'm so excited to introduce Until Saturday, which is the Athletics College Football Feed, which officially starts today. The entire athletic team is going to be with me. Dave Ubbin, Nicole Auerbach, Max Olson, Chris Fanini, Sam Kahn Jr., and many more. I just wanted to kind of set the table a little bit for what you can expect. Uh, the first thing I wanted to say was that the whole goal that I have for this feed is to make it feel like a conversation that you're going to have with your friends in a bar, in your living room, or outside the stadium uh, that you're going to a football game at. Uh, this is uh, not a serious discussion here. Uh, it's a football game. It's fun. Uh, it's our escape. It's what we love. And that's kind of how we're going to treat this. Uh, the entire point of having a podcast is to have fun with it. Um, and the entire point of sports, really, when you think about it, is the discussions that you get to have with your peers and your friends and your family, you know, as a result of it. So we're all journalists and we take our jobs very seriously, you know, at The Athletic, you know, our written reporting is the baseline of everything that we do, uh, the relationships that we build with the people in the sport, you know, the columns, the news, everything that we do is, is super serious. But there's a way to do our job in a serious manner without taking ourselves too seriously. And I promise you this, we're not going to take ourselves too seriously because we're not covering the Pentagon. I want to enjoy the sport because I love it. I grew up watching it. I grew up loving it just like you do. On Tuesdays, I'm as every bit as excited about watching the big time Saturday night matchup between two top 10 teams as you are. That's why I got into this business, and that's why I love podcasting so much. So before we get into the show, let me just quickly walk you through how this is going to go. Uh, we're going to have a months-long lead-in to Week Zero where we preview the season in every possible way that you can imagine, uh, Monday through Friday, every weekday between now and the end of August when these games kick off, you're going to have a show in this feed. And then once we get into the season, we'll ease back in um, with the schedule that you guys kind of got used to last year, um, Power Hours returning, Stars Matters returning, and of course the main event, the Saturday night reaction show, late at night, recapping the day, going through everything, contextualizing the games, all that stuff, having some fun with it. Yeah, you can either watch that live on YouTube, and of course, uh, if you don't like staying up till two in the morning, uh, like some of the sickos do, then you can catch it on uh, Sunday morning while you're eating your breakfast, like always. So that's it. Really uh, wanted to let you know that we're here. We're not going anywhere. Uh, sorry for the tough layoff. I hated it as much as you are, but that's not important anymore. The initials of our show are US until Saturday. Uh, and I think it's kind of funny and maybe a little corny just to say that 
uh, until Saturday could not exist without us. So for the time being, uh, this is until Saturday. Uh, let's get this thing kicked off right and enjoy the show. I'm here with David Ubbin, National College Football Writer. I'm Ari Wasserman with The Athletic. I'm going to be your host. I missed you guys. Ready to go, Dave? Welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, uh, Ari. I got my uh, my hot plates out, and uh, I'm ready to uh, to look at some some hot takes here today. Yes. Yeah, so you know, as uh, my reputation has preceded me, I guess people view me <laughs> as a hot take artist. I think to think that I take my job a little bit more seriously than Unfair that. Unfair characterization. Unfair not, characterization. Yeah, I'm no trying my Ari best Bayless to here. No Ari Bayless here. I uh, I believe everything that I say, um, and I think it's based in reporting and knowledge of the sport. Um, but in appropriate fashion, we are going to start this off here, Dave, with 10 hot takes that I crowdsourced from people on Twitter, because without them, this feed is nothing. We're going to take their hot takes. We're going to decide whether they're plausible or not. The 10 best ones that we found. And then you and I are both going to give one of our hot takes. But before we get into it, I just wanted to make sure that everybody is subscribed wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, uh, Spotify, Stitcher. Amazon. I mean, there's like a million places to subscribe to wherever you listen to it. Subscribe AM radio. Also all yeah, AM FM radio, XM radio, <laughs> whatever you do. Um, and then also make sure that you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, which can be found in the um, show's description. And then of course the athletic where you can find all of our written work from the great staff here. So can't tell you how pumped I am to get in this with you. Um, and we are really starting off with a bang here, Dave, like we're, we're, we're going, the number one hot take. <laughs> this is like, like teed up for you, Ari. This is, this is like, I feel like they're almost trolling you. <laughs> yes. Okay. So number one, Hot takes. <laughs> Texas will go eight and four. Sorry, Ari. Coach Weeder <laughs> at football coach 79. Eight and four? Eight and four? We, sh- we should have named, are- named this pod sorry, Ari. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Ari would have been a good name for it. But, you know, until <laughs> until Saturday, we can debate this. And then the Saturday after that, we can debate it again. But eight and four, I don't know if that's that is a hot take because that seems a little uh, asinine to me. I guess maybe the real hot take is Texas isn't going to win the Big 12 um, or whatever. But like, where do you stand on this, Dave? Like, do you do you Let me say of- this? Uh, our our friend football coach, 79. I'm closer to him than I am to Texas makes the playoff, Ari. And and here's the deal. Uh, Ari, I. You're looking too much at Texas at its best. Uh, I think peak Texas, the Texas that I think will beat Alabama, that Texas team, I agree, Ari, that's a playoff contender. That's a team that can go to the playoff, probably compete. I don't think they can win it necessarily, but they'll they'll acquit themselves well if that's the team that shows up. The problem, Ari, is that I do not trust this Texas team one bit. Um, I think you have a head coach in Steve Sarkeesian who hasn't shown that he can have a team ready for 12 straight weeks, which you got to do to really get in the playoff. You can lose one game probably and still get in there with Texas. You're you're probably sweating it out if you're a, uh, what, a 12 and one Texas uh, Big 12 champion at the end of the season. Probably in, but you're probably sweating it out. There's a lot of variables. But I, I think that when you look at Texas's program over the last decade, and we've seen very, very little to – uh, fly in the face of this. There's a, there's a complacency there. Nobody's, nobody's scared of Texas in the Big 12. And especially on Texas's way out, a lot of people are going to want to get their shots in. And and I've said this many times, but one of the things that makes Alabama great and why they've been so elite under Nick Saban is they don't have bad games. 
their their staying power is Alabama shows up every game. They don't have the clunkers. They they that's just not something that, that Alabama has mm-hmm. done. They play to their potential almost every week. Texas plays to their potential like eight weeks out of the year, seven weeks out of the year. Yeah, and there's tons of those. And I think you know I, I remember I think it was Joey McGuire. You know after the game uh, when Texas Tech beat them last year. You know he's in the locker room. He's like you know I told you they were gonna break and they did. This is the this is what a lot of people around the Big Twelve see. They you're not going to hear a lot of Texas's soft takes out loud in the Big Twelve, but you talk to coaches around the league, and a lot of people don't believe that there is a mental toughness there, and that is what it takes to get to the playoff. So I think Texas is a lot closer to eight and four come December than they are to the playoff. Ari, buddy, you just let let the cat out of the bag. You didn't even let me say that I think they're going to make the playoff this year. <laughs> You just you just kind of sandbag me there a little you, bit. You've been on this. You've been on this for a while, Ari. I know you, you you love this this Texas take. I think you're high on this this Texas team, and I'm with you on paper. Do you know but what I, makes me I mad? I think it's a problem. I got to tell you, you mad, what makes Ari? me mad. Analysis of what happened last year and the year before <laughs> isn't analysis forward thinking. Like I want to think forward about it. And yes, but what evidence you, have you seen that it's going to change, Ari? I, I just you have ten years of analysis that Texas there is something in the water. I think part of it is the sort of. Every, you have every advantage at Texas, and there is a toughness in that program that has been missing for quite some time. Texas has the best athletes, uh, close to Oklahoma, maybe slightly behind Oklahoma. When is the last time that you could walk out of a Big 12 season and say, you know what, that Texas team, they, they might not have fulfilled their potential, or maybe they did, but that well, was the toughest team in the Big 12. And you do not see that or hear for the that. first time until it happens, pal. Like, I mean, like in, at a certain point, if you can't separate yourself from the fact that Texas has been soft or that they've, you know, screwed off some games that they shouldn't have lost in the past. Lost to, to Kansas, I should add. Yeah, Very right, bad right. Kansas All that teams. stuff happened. And if you think that you can't separate yourself from that, then you're saying that you have no confidence whatsoever in the coaching regime there and everything is still off there. I haven't My, seen enough from Sark to say and nobody has. this. Mm-hmm. But this year, Texas actually has very good offensive and defensive lines, which has been lacking there in the past. Obviously, the talent advantage, you know, is a consistent thing. And I know people go crazy when I talk about talent advantage. That's one of the things. You also have to blindly accept and expect that Quinn Ewers is going to take a massive step forward in his second year as a starter, especially, you know, as a freshman when he was battling injury for the majority of the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about the head coach that convinced Arch Manning to come to Texas because he is a quarterback developer at the peak of who he is. Ah, if Quinn Ewers is not no, better. No, 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 no. Recruiting how is different than. How do you get it, Arch Manning to come to Texas if not, you're not selling that you can develop quarterbacks? Because it's not about developing quarterbacks. I think the issue that we're talking about is recruiting is a different skill from my team is ready 12 weeks out of the year. And that's what Texas is going to have to do. Oh, sure. Absolutely. To make the playoffs. I just don't buy it. They're going to lose to Kansas State or Iowa State. I think they will beat Alabama, hilariously, as much as I've thrown cold water. As much as I've thrown cold water on Texas, I do think they beat Bama and Tuscaloosa this year. I think they they cough it up. They're not going to lose to the middle tier teams. Texas is more built or closely resembles Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and those teams than they do Kansas State. And at a certain point, those ingredients are going to have to add up. And I will say, that if Texas does lose to Kansas State, or they do go eight and four or nine and three, and they don't win the Big Twelve this year, then I lose all confidence whatsoever that Steve Sarkeesian is the right person to lead that program. At a certain point, the planets have to align, and when you look at the ingredients in the kitchen to make the pizza, you have the ingredients to make a wonderful pizza. 
If they burn it or they lose or they stink again, then it's just like, well, there goes Texas being Texas again. But at a certain point, it's going to change, right? It's going to change. And Maybe, like, I want to be the- one thing you're not one thing you're really underrating that I'll tell you this year is uh, this is not that year. And that is because Texas every they have time, a very manageable schedule. Why is it they not do their have year? a manageable schedule? Because every time they go on the road, it is going to be a madhouse. And that is a task. First of all, you've got Oklahoma and Dallas. That's a tough game on its face. You've got Kansas State and Austin. Kansas State's giving them fits over and over again. But you go to Baylor. Houston, it doesn't, I don't know that Houston's going to have that same effect. TCU loves beating Texas. And then, of course, Iowa State. And then you close yeah. the season with Texas Tech. Every time you go on the road, it's their Super Bowl. And I think Texas, I have not seen enough from this team that that team understands that and embraces that. Sure. I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to be the case. This well, in a, order to be on my side of the see, equation. I need to see more, I need to see more, more mental fortitude. And we have not in seen In order that, for that you program. to be on my side of the equation, there is an element of walking blindly into the hope. You know what I mean? Like, I understand the history of that. But I'm looking at a, a schedule where they will be favored in every game except one that they're playing. I also look at the two main pillars on their schedule who, you know, should be giving them a game in Alabama and tech and, and te- uh, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And both of those teams, at least as we record this in mid-July, um, are not peak versions of themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the schedule and I'm saying, first of all, I think me and you are on the same page and looking at, at Coach Weider here and saying eight and four is is a little bit much for me. If they lose four games this year, then you're talking about maybe a hot seat situation, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're going to go eight and four. I think you agree that they're not going to go eight and four. I think the I would say nine we, and three ish. I like nine and three. If they don't win the big 12 this year and put themselves in a position to be in the playoff in November, then there is something incredibly wrong there. So to wrap up this first thing, eight and four plausible or implausible. Very plausible. What if Quinn Ewers goes down and you got to lean on Malik Murphy Xavier He's Worthy, good. he is, but he hasn't done anything, and that's you have to learn this. Xavier Worthy Dude, is the nobody's only, done the only anything until they do it. Dave. Nobody's done anything until they do it. Quinn Ewers think, literally almost beat Alabama in his four, first start last year. Eight and four is more likely than a playoff appearance, so I'm going to say plausible. <coughs> I'm going to say playoff appearance is probably impo- implausible. Okay, okay, but I think eight okay. and four is also implausible. I think nine and three is ugly. And a bad year for them. I agree with you. I think I don't think, think I don't think nine and three. I don't think there's such thing as a good nine and three because that means you lose to both Alabama and Oklahoma and an extra team, or you beat the teams and then you lose two other games to teams that you have no business losing to. Either of those is terrible. I get. Okay. I believe. I believe in the talent. I think they beat Alabama. I don't believe in the mental toughness. I think they lose to Iowa State, Kansas State. I think. And by the way, Big Twelve champion pick as a bonus, Texas Tech. That's not my hot take. A but lot of people think that. Texas uh, this Tech. year. Um, so just to put a bow on that though, Dave, if you don't think that they're mentally tough and you think that that mental, the lack of mental toughness is going to cause them to lose games, that is a direct, um, uh, thought process that you don't believe in Sark. Those are the same thing. I'm comfortable with that. (laughs) Okay. I'm just letting you know those are the same thing. Okay. So here comes another hot take. Number two, Bama goes nine and three. Chandler Hall. This will be, no, Bama goes nine and three by Chandler Hall. And this is one of Saban's worst teams or the worst Saban team at Alabama. Um, Chandler is at Chan Price and Brantford is Brant- at Brantford Winnie. Those are kind I of the think, same. I think Chandler has been uh, reading and listening to me 
recently because I feel like I've been driving the Bama goes nine and three bus. Hot take, maybe, but I think the biggest thing to me is they're demonstrably worse at every offensive position, and they still have a very difficult schedule. And and then you look at Alabama, right? In most years, Alabama has two, maybe three games that they could lose, and you would say, okay, well, that's a losable game for Alabama, and they lost that game. This year, let's count them up. Texas, Ole Miss, at Texas A&M, Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky, and at Auburn. That's seven games that if they lost... Half of those games that you just mentioned would not have been losable games in the past. Most years, exactly. Okay, the way that you're saying that now means that you're already bought into the fact that they stink before you know they stink. No, I think those are all losable games for 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 Alabama, and that they wouldn't have been last year or the year before or the year before that. Uh, Just now, they're losable. Maybe last year because uh, this is again you're taking an offense that I think is going to be very very similar to what it was last season, and you're removing Bryce Young, the number one pick in the draft, and you're replacing him with clearly they don't have a lot of confidence in either guy. They're taking Tyler Buckner at the mid at the mid year. That's not great. Um, he didn't go through spring. Maybe he wins the job. I think my money would still be on Jalen Milrow, but I just don't know how this Bama team is going to be able to score enough points to be able to, to keep up. I think they drop a couple games. I think LSU runs away with the West. Um, and I, I just am not a believer. Dude, I love you know, that you're is, sprinkling extra little hot takes in there in the middle of these. <laughs> these are bonus hot is, takes that you're putting in there in the middle there. Yeah. It's LSU funny, like, runs uh, away Alabama, with the West. Okay. Well, Alabama's been at the, been at, you know, at the, uh, SEC media days and, and they were talking about all this disrespect and all of this doubters, and usually that's nonsense. This year, I don't think it's nonsense. I think a lot of people are actually doubting Bama. You know, Georgia, after the national championships, some of their players were talking about people were saying they were going to go 7-5. and five. That was completely ridiculous. But Bama, I just do not believe in this Bama team because of the offense. Now, not the end of the dynasty. I think Bama's one really good quarterback away from revving back up. There's still a ton of talent. I just think offensively, the offensive line I don't believe in. They don't have a lot of game breakers, impact players, the skill positions, and then the quarterback position obviously is a mess. Um, it's very, very hard to make noise in the SEC and most leagues. If you don't have a, an impact player at quarterback in Bama, they might have a guy that can win you some games. They do not have an impact player. I think that's very clear. So just so I to, to, to go on record here, I think I'm with you on this. Mm-hmm. But you are against the notion that Texas could go undefeated or lose one game and get in the playoff because of historical things that we've learned about their coach and their team's personality in that area. But in this area, sure. we're dismissing everything that Nick Saban's done and who he is and what his roster could be because I you don't know who they are yet. Like, I'm uh, just trying to figure this out here. Flying in the face of recruiting rankings, Ari, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I think Bama has some talent issues on offense. You look around, you watch them play. Where are the receivers that they have built, you know, the last six years of this offensive renaissance on? Are we going to believe in JoJo Earl to be a, like a game breaker? I think he's a good player. Is he going to catch 80 balls for 1,300 yards? No. Uh, can Jalen Milrow throw the ball? I don't know. What's the deal with Ty Simpson? You're bringing in Tyler Buckner, who was anything but a world beater at Notre Dame, and he's probably only there because you've hired Tommy Reese. And that's the other thing. Tommy Reese and, and Kevin Steele, I think, can be okay. I don't know that they're coordinators that anybody is excited about. I think coordinators look a lot better when they have the kind of talent that Alabama has. But I just think you look at them on the offensive side. Of, I think they're going to be great defensively. But you look at them offensively. I think they're going to be a menace me. defensively. Because I think yes. anytime you have a year where you sign nine five-star prospects in a single cycle, that you can at least count on two of those to be really good out of the gate, right? Look, look out for a lot Caleb of, Downs, by the way. True freshman. 
but a lot a lot of the players that they signed in those five star categories, I think Justice Haynes is the only offensive skill one, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um Caden Proctor's an offensive tackle, and then once you get out of that, you're no longer into the five star range. Now Jalen Hale, yes. like people like that could could jump in right away, but I think that you make an astute point um with the idea that like their entire roster their entire roster probably doesn't have a talent issue. I think they're second or third in the two four seven composite team rankings for total mm-hmm. talent. But also, I think a lot of that might be hidden in freshman numbers, and we don't have a single identifiable game breaker that we know for a fact going into the yeah. season is that person. So I am with you on this one. I think that this you, is a you plausible look at these past, You yeah. look at the past Alabama teams, even when guys were playing like a smaller role, like Devontae Smith coming into his Heisman season. You'd seen you enough knew. from him yeah. to be like, oh, okay, this guy didn't have a lot of opportunity, but my gosh, Derrick Henry, when it's his turn. He hadn't really done a whole lot before he broke out, but you saw him enough to be like, Oh my gosh, this guy is going to be unbelievable. You saw enough when Bryce Young is taking over for Mac Jones. Obviously, he had the recruiting rankings, but Ty Simpson has the recruiting rankings. We haven't seen anything out of him. Jalen yeah. Milrow, just go watch a Texas A&M game. That's a big question mark. But we do um, have to leave the door open that there is a chance that even though they took Tyler Buckner, mm-hmm. that there is a star quarterback on this roster. Like, Is it possible that Jalen Milrow turns into a complete monster this year? Is it possible that Ty Simpson is actually awesome and like we're misreading the entire quarterback transfer scenario. Like this is Nick Saban we're talking about here. And I feel like there that, you know, I saw there was a topic on Feinbaum uh, this past week that said, if Nick Saban doesn't make the playoff for the third straight year, does that hurt his legacy? And I thought that was complete yeah, that's a little and utter sad. nonsense. It's a little, it's a little ridiculous, but, but no, I, based I, on I, his I think- legacy though, Dave, don't you think that he deserves the benefit of the doubt of saying like, Maybe we're reading too much into the quarterback transfer, and maybe things are just going to be fine. I trust my eyes. I I've, I saw Milrow play in person at the Arkansas game last year. I watched him plenty down the rest of the season. I think he can do some things with his legs that are unbelievable. The way that he rescued an Alabama team that was in real trouble at Arkansas. I mean, they were. I forget what that run was, but their team was falling apart. They were had a bad fumble, a bad snap on a punt. Like they were up like twenty. They were coasting, and then all of a sudden, Arkansas was like knocking on the door, and then Milrow broke like a seventy-five yard run, and and then it was they were good again. He can do some things with his feet that are amazing, but he's I just I for twelve games I don't know that he is the type of passer that that you can um, rely on to take them to the playoff or the national championship. And the SEC is so improved, and their schedule is so tough. Obviously, they have the Texas game. I think LSU is a better team. Um, uh, we talk about impact players. I mean, LSU's got that. So more impact players, less depth. Yes, yes, I would, I would agree with that. I would agree. But I think we both can say this is a plausible scenario. Very plausible. Dare I say, likely. (laughs) Not that hot. Not that hot of a take. No. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, number three. Cade Klubnick will be on the stage during the Heisman presentation by Charlie Smith at Forbin 1222. Very plausible. Here, here's where I land on Cade Klubnick. I, I covered the Orange Bowl last year. I profiled him, talked to some people around him, um, you know, talked to his family and, and talked to him a little bit. I think ultimately he's built in a lab to be a franchise quarterback. Uh, you know, he's a prototype, and I think you add Garrett Riley into that mix. I, I buy it. He's way more talented than Max Duggan was. The scheme had gotten stale with Brandon Streeter. And, you know, DJ Uyunglele just wasn't accurate enough to run that offense well enough. I think the thing that, that makes me question this is where are the receivers? You know, mm-hmm. Clemson, in the same 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 position that, that, that Alabama's in. They were churning out these unbelievable receivers for a long time. And then it, the pipeline just kind of got clogged, and you just haven't seen them. It was nakedly obvious um, in their inability to take advantage of Tennessee's secondary, um, which had been, you know, sliced up by plenty of folks all season long. Even Alabama, you know, put 49 on them with a pretty average group of receivers. Clemson just did not have the bodies. Um, and so, you know, obviously Dabo is allergic to the portal, so they didn't improve themselves there. I, I don't know that I see a huge jump. So I think the talent is there. I like the system. Bringing Garrett Riley in is a huge coup. I'm not sure that it's going to be this year because I don't know that they have the receivers. Um, you know what's funny to me is that Clemson as a program, uh, three years ago, I think, um, when I first started in this feed, I said that the decline of the program was starting to happen. And people went apeshit at me because it was such a terrible prediction at the time because they were so awesome. But I was looking at the blue chip ratio and the way that they were recruiting. And, you know, Texas has been, I mean, Clemson has been the number one um, consistent. uh, They have been the, uh, what's the, when you say something, the exception to the rule when it comes to winning at a high level as it pertains to the talent that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have slipped year by year slowly down that list of like, are they a mega team when it comes to talent and still coming into the season there at 72%, which is fourth or I mean, fifth on the list behind Alabama, who's number one and the three lost team, apparently uh, Ohio <laughs> state, Georgia. Um, so they're still very talented. Now I don't, I don't see the receiver position, but when I look at the new offensive coordinator, they bring in, and I look at the track record that Dabo has had with his quarterbacks there outside of DJ. And I see the conference that Clemson is in. I think it's like they have been the team that has been least talked about, I feel like, in the entire offseason as it pertains to the national championship hunt. Because I think we saw it get stale, like you said, last year. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a very real case to be made for Clemson being a team that makes the playoff this year. And if they make the playoff this year, it's because they have an accurate quarterback who settles into a new offensive system that can put the ball exactly where it needs to be. And they have that advantage that has brought them so many uh, wins over the years. I mean, the Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson advantage was real for them. They might have a Florida State problem, though, Ari. 
They might have a Florida State problem, and they definitely don't have the best quarterback in their own conference for the first time in a while. In their own division, you know, in their own arguably. division, yeah. So there, there is, there is that. But if Clemson is by far the most talented team in the ACC, and they have a quarterback like you said who was built in a lab to be a great quarterback prospect, if they figure it out, I don't believe this to be that implausible of a thought process. Like mm-hmm. it's a the it's the long shot. But how do you how do you do implausible versus plausible with if something's a long shot? Do you still have to go implausible, or can you say it's not that crazy of a take? Well, I think he's what only like I was looking at the Heisman odds earlier today. I think he's only like sixth or seventh, like on the list. So not that hot, not that hot of a take. But getting on the stage in New York City is a, is a uh, a huge task. And as we've seen in recent years, when you go look at the preseason odds and the postseason reality. The the highs is pretty hard to predict. We've had guys come from off the board like more often than not the last like eight or nine years where guys that have no buzz preseason get to November and all of a sudden they're the guy. So, you know, the pieces are there. I won't be shocked. But I I think at the end of the day, you know, you got to have receivers. And and I'm not sure that you can put up the thirty eight hundred yards and thirty eight touchdowns you need to get there. If you don't have receivers, because I, I just yep. don't see those guys that are going to be able to get open, turn 20 yard plays into 50 yard plays, turn eight yard plays into 20 yard plays and turn 50 yard plays into 70 yard plays. I, I don't know if they have those guys. So where's Sammy Watkins? Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say somewhat implausible just because I just the receivers. Uh, I don't see it. The schedule and Klubnik as a talent make it most likely, but but I don't think it's going to happen. OK, next one. I'm going to start this one, Ryan. <laughs> this is about Ryan Day. I'm going to start it, okay? Please do. This is Ryan Day's last year as Ohio State's head coach. At not K-Y or K-N-Y-K. Um, implausible that he is there. This is the last season because I don't think even if he lost to Michigan that they would fire him after next year. But I think this is an indication of how warm your seat can get, you know, how quickly it can happen in Columbus. Um, if you look at Ohio State's team this year, um, they have uh, a lot of depth and they've got a lot of talent and by far the most talented team in the in the country, or I mean, sorry, in that conference. Um, but they, Penn State's going to be much better this year. You have a Notre Dame team that's arguably going to be much better. Uh, if this team loses two games and one of those is Michigan, uh, that's going to be a really bad look because like it was absolutely incredibly, it would have been science fiction to assume that they could lose three times to Michigan four years ago. Or three years ago, if you would have said they're going to lose three in a row, you, you would think that it was like some some Netflix show or something. It's it's crazy. So um, I think it's implausible because I don't think that Ohio State's at a place where they're on the edge of their seats to fire him. But I do think that a season um, that would lead people to those thought processes could certainly happen. Are you a Kyle McCord believer? He's kind of the inverse of Caden McClubnick because I don't know that I believe in him as an as a singular talent. But you're throwing to, you know, one of the best receiving cores in the country. Yeah. Um, I believe in Ryan Day's ability to put a good quarterback on the field. So if That's it's Kyle McCord or Devin it. Brown, um, whoever it's going to be is going to be good. Um, mm-hmm. Because he's the last three quarterbacks he's coached have been high end top first round picks. So I don't know if you could. It's a smart take to go into a year thinking that Ohio State's going to have a quarterback issue. And because of that, I think that mm-hmm. it's OK to assume that whoever it is is going to be good. I will be with you. This is a this is a hot take. 
I think there was a lot. What did you make of the conversation about, like, there were certainly some people after the Michigan game who wanted to, to make a move. What, what did you make of that conversation after the Michigan loss? Yeah, I don't know that the conversation was warranted after the Michigan loss. Here's the thing. I think you can make the real case, Dave, that Ohio State has gotten worse in every metric since Urban Meyer left. Mm-hmm. And the reason, you know, they've had some recruiting classes that have, you know, measured up to what Urban has done or did. But when Urban left, it was a team that never lost to Michigan and was in the national championship conversation every year. And now it's a team that is no longer viewed as the number one program in its own conference with a Michigan problem. And I think that's the the uh, cyanide pill for anybody who's going to be the head coach at Ohio State because you can't you can't be somebody with a Michigan pro- problem. Yeah. And if you're being compared to John Cooper right now in year four or five, that's, going, like, that's not a good thing. <laughs> so, you know, I think that saying that he is going to be fired, uh, you know, because you can make the case that they were a field goal away from winning a national title last year. I would make that case. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you fire the coach 13 months or 12 months after that happens, but I bet you if he loses two more in a row, he's gone. So, like, yeah. I understand the thought process, but I think the more rational take is Ohio State's going to lose to Michigan uh, for the third year in a row, I think that would be a plausible take. What I think is implausible is Ryan Day being fired. Yeah. My advice to Ryan Day is don't get bullied by Michigan. You can lose to Michigan, maybe. Don't get yeah. bullied by them. <laughs> okay. Number five, Brent Venables doesn't make it to the SEC. Connor Samuel at CSAM7. I'm going to say plausible, Ari. I, I I don't know. Like, so, okay. So let's 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 back this up, right? Brent Venables gets the Oklahoma job. It's sort of a two-pronged thought process, right? One, our defense stinks. Brett Venables has created this monster at Clemson. We're going to bring him in. Two, we're going to the SEC. We want to recruit like the SEC. Brett Venables has been proven as a crazy good recruiter. Look at these defensive lines he's helped put together. All these guys, uh, these linebackers, all this stuff at Clemson. Okay, we see that. Well, you have year one at Oklahoma. They bring in Jeff Levy. The offense, they bring they start running the Baylor system. The offense, not great. Uh, shut out in a loss to Texas, which was certainly the low point of the season. Defensively, that you're a mess. Didn't have a quarterback in that game, too. Let's let's that that has to matter, right? Ari, zero points. I don't think I, you could. I'm not trying to put could, lipstick on a pig here. I'm just saying we got to acknowledge the fact that it wasn't like their best foot forward in that game. Ari, we could have you at left tackle and me at running back. And if you have zero points running that system in the Red River, when you do you the don't zero thing into the cam, too, that's pretty powerful. You do one of these bad boys right here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. I'm not trying to. I'm not saying that your point's wrong. It's a but problem. I just, it, it, Defensively, yeah. they are a mess still. Okay. The TCU game, I was watching that in a sports bar in Fayetteville, Arkansas, actually. You almost like uh, stop the stop the fight here. Yeah. And game. it's like, yeah, I was watching that just like, what is happening? So, you know, I, I, they're a wild card to me. Certainly, Oklahoma has a lot of talent. He inherited a situation. I think you see the run of playoffs that, that, that Oklahoma had had and Big 12 championships and you... Um, Inherit a team that loses Caleb Williams. You lose, you don't get to have Mario Williams. You lose plenty of talent. And so it's not fair to say, okay, well, you should just keep this playoff train rolling, but you can't go six and seven, or you can't go, you know, have the worst, you know, first losing season since John Blake, who, by the way, Ari was fired very quickly. So if they go six and seven again, which is, you know, not impossible because we just saw it, 
Ah. So I'm an. It's a. This is a good hot take. I. I think if you if you don't go if you don't win, you know, uh, what eight games again, there's going to be conversation. The best thing, and I've written about this in the past, Ari. The best thing working for Venables is he got one of those Jimbo deals where it's all guaranteed. So it's a lot of money to fire. Brent I was Venables. waiting I to for you to get it. to that, buddy, because like you're like <laughs> analyzing all the just analyze the money. Yes. Here. Okay. So that money is the a big money part of is it. a big problem, and he's recruiting well. It's a second year. I mean, it's very implausible that he's going to get fired just based on the finances of this thing. Like all the analysis that yes. you had was great. The thing that's most important to me in the analysis of this is whether or not he has a fireable contract, and I don't think that you could say that he does. Now, Oklahoma has a shorter leash when it comes to these sort of things, but I I think that he'll at least get one year in the SEC, even if this year's a dumpster fire. The problem is that if you're running into the SEC, this is what A&M, yeah, A&M ran into the same situation with Mike Sherman, is that when you're walking into the SEC and you got to have all this excitement, it is very tough to walk in there with a coach who's on the hot seat that everyone is sort of grumbling about. That's not how you want to crash the party. And A&M went out of their way to say, because Mike Sherman was not like doing he was not clearly oh we got to get rid of this guy the sec was a big part of that you bring in kevin Sumlin, you have a lot of excitement and then of course it helps bringing in a transcendent player like johnny football um you know as your starting quarterback you know to kick things off but i think you have to factor that in as well but i I agree with you Ari. the financial piece of it is a pretty compelling reason why this will not happen but i think there'll be some conversation if you have another losing season yeah it's oklahoma yeah uh i love that you compared uh the Mike Sherman situation here because it's just another uh, another coach with a guaranteed contract that's basically <laughs> holding the team hostage no matter what happens. So, okay, I think that's implausible. You think it's uh, somewhat I'll say plausible? Somewhat. If you have a losing season, I I don't know that I would bet my life that it happens, but I think there's conversation about it. Okay, number six, Penn State makes the playoff at twelve and one this year. At uh, this is from our buddy Drew on Twitter at dnog10. Ari, I'm in on this. I'm in on this. Oh yeah. Uh, if you can split the big boys, Ohio State and Michigan, and then you don't have to play in the Big Twelve or in the Big Ten championship game, you can do this. Now, the headliners, of course, you're a big Drew Aller believer, Ari. I am also mm-hmm. a Drew Aller believer. Love what I've seen from Nick Singleton. But let's not sleep. On Katron Allen, uh, one of the most fun names in college football. So Olu Fushanu, back in the mix, left tackle, first round pick, basically. That you, you I think Katron's like also like meant to be like a strong football player. That name is pretty. He might be half transformer at that. With that, that's name. what that's what it sounds like. Yeah, seventy five percent of their defensive production back as well. Ari, uh, you got some questions at receiver, but we got to get some some Dion conversation in here. Ari, thanks to Dion Sanders. Penn State adds a great receiver in Dante Cephas from Kent State because Dion hires Sean Lewis away from Kent State. Yeah. Dante Cephas looks for a new home, and you've got one, and he's got a great quarterback throwing in the ball in Drew Aller. Uh, you know, they added Malik McLean as well. So thank you, Dion, for giving Penn State a little bit more playoff help. I, you know, at the end of the day, I just I believe in them to their schedule's pretty easy. I believe in them to if you can split the big boys, which is easier said than done, this happens. 12 and 1, problem, I don't know, but 11 and 1. The yes. problem with this is that I don't know how confident I am that they are able to split with the big boys. 
because they've had a problem. It's one with game that. though. It is, yeah, but but if you can yeah. win the turnover battle three one, uh, that that helps you. Um, you know, I think they host Michigan and go to Ohio State. Is that yep. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they don't have a major. I think they open with West Virginia, but they don't have a major non-conference schedule. No, West Virginia like, is not going to be good. <laughs> the thing that I think is interesting is that you are thinking that this is more plausible if they get in as the second Big Ten team, kind of the way that Ohio State got in last year, right? Where that's the best. Either Ohio I don't see them State or the, Michigan. Yes, I don't think they can win the Big Twelve. You'd have to have some tiebreaker shenanigans. Um, yeah, because like I, lose, I being being a one-loss team, you know, puts you in a position to potentially win the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so like to me, it's like they are the third best team in their own division. So like sitting mm-hmm. back here and like thinking that they are going to perfectly maneuver, go one and one, and that it's going to work out enough for them to not be, uh, or to be the second best team in the big 10. And then everything else nationally has to work out that way. Last year in the, in the final four, they had to figure out a way to get a fourth team in there because everybody was damaged uh, mm-hmm. going into the year. And that's how TCU even got into the playoff after losing the big 12 championship game. So not only do you have to like, like I'm trying to think of like the mathematical odds here of Penn state, either beating Michigan or beating Ohio state on top of that, everything nationally mapping out to, to work for their favor in order to get in as the second big 10 team. That was the first time in the college football era that the second big 10 team got in, right? Like for yes. that to happen year or two in a row. Like, I just think that it's an implausible thought process. I feel like if you think that, Penn State is going to w- make the playoff this year, then you know put your fist on the table and say they can win the Big Ten. That's the easiest route. You'd need some. You'd need some. Uh, you'd need some some tie breaks to go your way. Yeah, but here's the here's the main thing, and I think a lot of things when it comes to college football discussion is that we use hot takes in order to analyze the actual thing, <laughs> and the actual thing is that they're going to be a really good football team this year. Yes, maybe very. one of the best that James Franklin has had, and they've got a lot this of pieces. This is the highest back. I've been on Penn State maybe ever. Yeah, it's like, I, I, they they kind of bore me. Wasn't a huge Sean Clifford yeah. believer. They've just been they're hard to watch. Sometimes I don't think they're going to be hard to watch this year. It's at all. pretty crazy what having a good quarterback and some yes. offensive skill talent and <laughs> and your defensive production back and do and a really good offensive line also. Now obviously we have to get to a point where Drew Aller goes from former five star prospect who should be good to a guy who actually legitimately is an NFL player. Yeah. Um, and and Penn State's had a lot of sneaky good quarterbacks over the past ten years, but if they have their first legitimate first round potential quarterback talent there. And I'm not talking about freshman year, Chris Christian Hackenberg. I'm talking like a guy who actually, mm-hmm. you know, holds on to that for four years. Like Penn state's going to be a problem. And I love that they got that kid out of Ohio while Ohio state was recruiting nationally. And you know, there's a lot of potential there. So I think it's implausible that they're going to make the playoff this year, but I think it's plausible that they uh, are a really, really good football team that, that gets close. Okay. You no, know, I did. I did redraw up all the divisions, and if they were in the Big East, I think I put them in the Big East. Yeah, I, I like that. them to make the. <laughs> yeah, I like if they were in a different conference, maybe. Yeah. it's a really tough look when you're in the hardest uh, division in yeah. college football, or one of the second hardest, depending yeah. on the year. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Okay, this one I'm going to let you cook on. I'm going to let you cook. So you've been looking Ari, forward to this one. 
our next one we have uh Florida finishes the season as the second best team in the SEC East. Uh MD Nichols uh Esquire. Whether or not our friend has an actual law degree. Based on this take, I hope not. Uh but <laughs> Uh, hey, you don't no. have to be you, you don't have to be uh, bad at your job to be bad at predicting things in college football, right? I mean, uh, a lot of there's, there's doctor. You don't think there's a doctor out there that graduated from Florida who thinks they're going to win the national title this year? It's possible. Maybe, maybe. Uh, no, what are we smoking here, guys? I, I, I listen. Whatever you think about Florida, that's fine. Okay, uh, I, you know, Florida. We, I don't think they're going to be much better. I think it starts with the quarterback. We can. We don't need to get into. Florida roster, de, you know, debate or whatever. I, I don't think they're going to be very good. I, I think losing season is definitely on the table for Florida. And that's not even really necessarily about Florida. I don't think they're going to be much better than last year. But you know who will be better than last year, Ari? South Carolina, Kentucky. I think Tennessee will be still very good. Vanderbilt should be better. Who beat you last year? Let us not forget. Uh, so bouncing back from a loss to Vanderbilt to finishing second in the SEC East behind the national championship favorite, uh no florida if you were ranking the teams most likely to finish second in these i believe in south carolina kentucky and tennessee way more than i believe in florida uh, yeah so absolutely not this is the zero percent chance this happens back to my zero uh in the camera yeah yeah not you happen. put the zero up there i don't know if it's zero <laughs> but you know the thing with florida is that this is a a slow build if billy napier is going to be the head coach there in five years i don't from know now, why it, it, there's no such thing as slow builds anymore in college football you can't yeah, do, well, I look mean, at you, Washington. You're, you're Washington all of a sudden had an offense overnight. Our guy Dion Washington out in Colorado is his whole roster. Eight teams in the top 20 of the SEC compo- or the composite. Like, it's easier to build in a conference that doesn't – I mean, they're playing against teams that have nine five-star prospects in single classes. Like, it takes time. And, like, the thing about it, too, is that Florida's number one breeding ground in their own state has been pillaged by Alabama for so long. It's going to take mm-hmm. time to regain the trust of the players that go there. I just if you think I that totally Florida's going to flip their roster like they're Colorado and be good in a year, like, that's crazy to, to me. Do- no, you don't have to flip your roster and be a national championship contender overnight. But in the portal era, it's insane to me dog, to say you can't be dog yes, crap. For the you second can't. Year. You can't walk in there and say, "Oh, we need time to get to nine wins." No, you're Florida. No, I mean, it's the portal era. You should be able to get to like yeah. as you know. Maybe you're not going head to head with Florida, but like those teams in the East, demonstrably better than Florida coming into the season and last year. But what you I should meant, not what be I said sitting slow, there and slow saying, build, "All these teams be better." slow build to being back to even footing with the monsters of the conference. I don't think that there's any reason why they should lose to, to lose seven games in year two or eight games. And the thing is that they've got a major quarterback problem here. Yes. You know, and maybe Graham Mertz will be awesome. I don't know. No, he he will not be awesome. He, he might win you a game or two. He (laughs) might be serviceable. Awesome. No, tell him how you really (laughs) feel about those Gators, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's not there for Florida. I, I don't know what has precluded uh, Billy Napier from 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 upgrading this roster. I I, I don't know. You look around. You know this is kind of like the Alabama offense thing, but to a lesser degree. You look around that team and you're like, where are the dudes? Mm-hmm. Who am I supposed to be excited about that is rolling out there for Florida? You know the Kadarius Tonys of the world. Where, where where's my Kadarius Tony? You know Anthony Richardson, problematic. Had a a ton of issues, but clearly a talent. Clearly a guy that people wanted to see, and, and you still. Didn't do a whole lot with him. So, you know, I just you just don't see a lot of guys on the field for Florida that excite you. So, no, they're not going to be second in the East. They're not. They might not even be third in the East. That's no. Yeah, I'm with you. Implausible. Okay, number eight. 
Michigan is this year's UGA. Recent college football gags make people forget the trajectory they've been on and the talent they have coming back. UGA was a slow burn until they weren't. I think that this take here by at Ty Teddy or at Ty Fetty, I think that take is a, if I had to guess blindfold at a carnival and you had to get like, that is a Michigan fan saying that he believes that Michigan can win a national championship. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say, and then I will let you cook again, is <laughs> one, Georgia recruited at an insane level for five yes. or six years leading into their into their uh, playoff gaffes. And if you think losing to Alabama on some fluke bullshit is the same thing as losing to TCU, like they they, they were the national champions that year, except weird weird thing happened at the end of a football game. Yeah. Like I think Michigan could theoretically win a national championship, I guess. But they just they don't have the talent on their roster to do it. So I think that this is implausible for this year. But I think it could be plausible if you want to give him a longer runway to get the talent on his team necessary to win a national championship. So he's going to say Michigan is this year's UGA. Now, UGA the last two years, indisputable, best team on the field from the start of the season to the end of the season. Point blank, period. There is You cannot debate that. They were the best team the last two years. I don't see that in, in ahead for Michigan. Now, the comparison that he's making is pretty interesting because Michigan, listen, our TCU listeners, ear pl- earmuffs, please. Uh, Michigan, they lost that, that semifinal. TCU did not win that semifinal. The amount of insane things that Michigan did, I mean, I, I remember when I did my coaching confidential ahead of the national championship, you know, one of the coaches had some similar things to say, but one of the coaches was like, that was the flukiest game I've ever seen, you know, this or that. You know, they did all the, they did a ton of things to lose that game. That's accurate. They would have been playing for the national championship. But the fact that they can sort of just so that that is sort of the Georgia Bama sort of thing. But yeah, I, I to say that Michigan is going to wake up and clearly be the wire to wire best team in the country this year, no, I don't see that. I, but I, I don't think see I, the, the comparison here and the thing that I said last year in the analysis of Michigan was Michigan was a worse version of Georgia. Mm-hmm. But if you think that they're gonna go in one year and turn into the monsters that we see on the field when Georgia plays. They just you don't follow like recruiting. That. They don't recruit yeah. that way. It's impossible to do that. Like they might be really good, but to be Georgia is quite the undertaking. Okay, Dave. Mm-hmm. Both of us think implausible. Let's go to nine and let's fire these off quickly because yes, you know we got we we got to get to to our hot takes too. So Joe Milton loses the Tennessee job before or during the Alabama game. The Nico comes in and matches right away, beating Georgia in November. <laughs> Travis May at FM underscore Travis M. No, uh, I think for a couple <coughs> of reasons. One, Joe Milton only lost his job in 21 because he got injured and he was shaky, but that staff had a ton of belief in him. And you had Hendon Hooker, who had a ton of experience at Virginia Tech and then sort of set the world on fire immediately. I think Nico can be a good player eventually, but the staff doesn't necessarily have the same level of trust in a guy who hasn't played a snap of high school or of college football. There is a lot of belief on Tennessee staff and Joe Milton. There was a lot of belief on Tennessee staff and Joe Milton two years ago. That's only been intensified. Um, so no, I, I think Joe Milton will have a good year. I think he's, he'll do enough that one bad game against Alabama is not going to be enough to, to bench him. And I think he'll show enough before they get to the third Saturday in October um, where he will be okay and that he'll have enough capital built up that hey, if you have a you know four interception game and you lose by thirty, which again I don't think is going to happen, but if that happens, you have enough built up where no, we're not just going to hand the keys over to a freshman. Um, so no, I'm going to say this is totally implausible. 
if you just look at Nico, just like look at him in person, gain some is that weight, a guy, guy who needs to be in the <laughs> weight room for a year before gain we can even start weight, thinking about that? Like, yes. I don't know if he's even physically ready for this. And you're in, in Knoxville, so maybe I'm wrong on this. You tell me. But is he I, I even mean, physically I, 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 ready to play? I think, well, because he's there, because they're not asking him to do that. We know when I've talked to people around Tennessee's program, I don't even have that conversation. He has put on some weight, but I think they know that he's at least a year away from them even asking him to be the guy. So I don't that's think that's it, a huge then. concern. Yeah. That, he's so, not ready yeah. to play physically, period. Implausible. Well, if he had to, like if Joe tears his ACL in week two, if he had to, that's an interesting That's not something I've really asked anybody around the program. Um, yeah. But he's not being asked to do that right now. So I it's not a thought process for them. Could he do it? I I don't know. I think certainly if they had their wish, he would have another 20 pounds of muscle on him. But that takes time. So we'll see. Implausible. Ten. Shador Sanders will find his way to the Heisman stage. (laughs) We had to get a Colorado anything in. He's got Paul Greer Jr. He's got to beat out Graham Mertz for that Heisman spot if he's going to do that. Um, But listen, I, I think Shador. I like his arm talent. I think Colorado's got a lot of really good receivers, but Colorado's going to lose a bunch of games this year, and I think their offensive line is going to really, really struggle. I think last I checked, most likely, and again, projecting Colorado's uh, depth chart is uh, difficult, (laughs) Uh, but I think last I checked, most likely, they will have four starters on their offensive line that were not in spring practice. Good luck. Chemistry is a huge part of this. Like, so I think offensive also, lines, if you have a, you if have you have a bad win. one, well, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing. But yeah. offensive lines have a way of if you have a bad one, they make good quarterbacks look not anywhere close to their actual talent level. So the biggest thing is, you know, if if Colorado wins five games this year, I, I think that that will be very impressive. Um, you know, when you look at their schedule and, and I mean, TCU and Nebraska in non-conference is no joke. Um, so I think they lose a bunch of games this year and, and it's it's going to be tough. But no, he's, I th- he's not even the finalist. I'm going to pitch a podcast uh, that I'm sure we'll do because, you know, it's a podcast and it's going to be fun. But I think the 10 most intriguing quarterbacks to watch going into the year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's and on I think that, that Shador is probably number one on that list. Yeah. Maybe top five in terms of like, does he have Dion primetime genes in his blood? Like, are we, is he going to do things that are special? We, didn't, we, well, we don't know. What, this is what I don't think people recognize about Shador is that we've never seen him against elite talent. You can watch him and you see the arm talent and it's undeniable. But I don't know how many people know in Texas high schools, all the private schools play together. So he didn't go up against Duncanville or, uh, you know, Galena North Shore or Allen, the big programs. They don't play them. They play at Trinity Christian. Yeah. You play other private schools. And then you go in the SWAC where he's, you know, he's got time to set up a picnic and in the in the pocket. And then he's throwing to receivers that are three steps faster than DBs um, that, that are trying to guard them. And, and it's it's pretty easy for him. Um, so we just haven't seen him have to go up against elite talent. We just and, don't and have a concept whatsoever of how good he actually is. Yeah. Four star guy. He was going to go to Florida Atlantic. Um, you know, he probably could have taken some scholarships at some bigger schools, but I think he liked, uh, I believe Lane Kiffin was the coach there. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was. Long. Um, so I can see wanting to go with Lane and then his dad takes a Jackson state job and then he goes to Jackson state. So, you know, but it wasn't like LSU, Alabama, Ohio state and Clemson no. were knocking on his door. He was either, like, a, so. I think he was a low four star, high three star. If I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah. So I think that Heisman trophy is implausible, um, in terms of being on the stage. I think you agree with that, but I also think that I'm one of the things I'm most excited about. And the reason why Colorado's first game is nationally televised is, is like there's an entire country out there 
trying to figure out like what Colorado's football team's actually going to look like. I think we have an idea and we can infer it based on their 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 roster um and what we know about it and what's returning and what had to come in and all those things. Yeah. But it might also be awesome. So um, I think okay. Shador is a good player, and on top of that, uh turd factor of zero, knucklehead factor of zero, very smart kid. Uh but it, it, there's just so many things around him that are going to make things very difficult. I like that turd that. factor. I love the term. It's very, I mean, it's the turd factor is just not doing what you're supposed to do. Knucklehead factor is just being an idiot. He has zero of either of those factors. So props to Shador. That's three zeros. Okay. Dave, we're going to end this show with our, our own hot takes. We got, we got um, some. And I don't know if you think that my Texas is going to make the playoff one, by the way, when it happens, That's not that hot of a take, I, th- I, I can I'm just see letting, it happening. I'll be I'm just letting you know that does. you can't. Yeah, you can see that it's happening. And when it does, <laughs> we're going to talk about it. Okay. I can't wait for yours? the show after they lose to Kansas State by 20. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, cry. It's just going to be me <laughs> weeping for 30 minutes. We talked about wire to wire. This is the best team in the country. And and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to jab. I'm going to block your counter punch. And I'm going to jab before it before it comes. Ari. Yeah, because you know what's coming. I'm already like I'm foaming at the mouth. <laughs> I know that if they have a couple injuries, this may not happen. But I think which happens to everybody every year. Some people, some people get away with it. Aren't yeah, some people just go wire with to wire without suffering any any injuries at all? Not not suffering injuries, but 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 surviving. LSU had enough bad injury luck last year, but I think we're gonna look around in mid October, and we might have a situation where LSU is clearly the best team in the country and just runs to a national championship. They have the top end talent for it. I think that their transfer portal activity is is kind of a nerve wracking a little bit when you think about some of the DBs they brought in and uh, uh, and I understand that Harold Perkins might be the best player in the sport this year. Possibly. I think they have the the offense in the front um, seven to to negate that just for the record. But I also have questions about their quarterback. Like I know we've seen flashes and even going back to his ASU days, like there were flashes there. But like, are we certain that he's a really good national championship caliber quarterback? I am yes. I thought I saw enough growth from the start of the season to the end of the season. I'm in on Jaden Daniels because if Jaden Daniels is like a stud star, and he would probably be another quarterback that's in that top ten list that we could add mm-hmm. on there. Um, I think that there's another gear for him to hit that I don't know that we saw a hundred percent. And if you think the trajectory is there, I can buy that. But I don't know if he's there just yet. And I just know that they are one blown knee out away. And hopefully it won't happen on a celebration in week one from a really important player for them like it did last year. But um, I think they're going to be a very good football team. But like clearly the best team in the country at midseason means that you're watching them and saying this team is clearly better than Georgia. This team is clearly They'll have better some than opportunities. Them. They'll have so, some opportunities. You know, I, I think that it's I don't think it's that hot of a take. I But I do. I don't know. It's like implausible. But like, I don't think it's crazy. And if we're going to talk blown knees, Ari. I love what we saw from Garrett Nussmeyer in the uh, yeah. SEC title game. So if you have a Jane Daniels injury and he gets banged up a little bit, they're still going to be okay. You have a little and bit that's of that's obviously depth, yeah. That's such an important position that I think you – they lost Mason Smith in a half, what, the first yeah, half of week one last year. Yes, but they still won the West. They still beat Bama in year one under, yeah. know, under Brian Kelly. That's impressive. Yeah. Okay, here's mine. And mine's always going to be kookier because that's just who I am. I'm feeling myself with the hot takes. Like that's that's just kind of who I am. Uh, it this is scorching freaking hot. Okay, I just like let me prem as I, I I can't even say it. Like I'm nervous to say it. Okay, 
Drake May will be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft next year. We got to get Bruce in here to fight you, Ari. Listen, I I think you can see... Let me just say I think that that in general, people dismiss unfairly because they put quote-unquote QB wins on too much of a pedestal the quarterbacks that don't play for the elite programs. Uh, I remember a lot of that happening to Patrick Mahomes. He might be the best player to ever play football. But a lot of people didn't take him seriously at Texas Tech because, well, what else, you know, you can't. What's the deal? You know, well, you, you can't win more than seven games in a year. Okay, your defense is terrible. Uh, I don't necessarily agree, Ari, but I like what I've seen from Drake May, and I think all the tools are there. The thing that I think will 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 have your take uh, undone is that the NFL people seem to love everything about Caleb Williams mm-hmm. and are talking about him in a way that it seems like it doesn't even matter what he does this year that they're going to take him number one anyway. The last thing that I would want to do is disparage Caleb because he is one of the most electrifying players that we've had. Yes. And I'm not saying it to disparage him, but I do think that I have a sneaky suspicion that people haven't watched North Carolina enough to know what that kid is out there in Chapel Drake May's unbelievable. I, he is an I have no unbelievable player. May. My only and question is, is whether or not Caleb Williams is like a generational prospect, which some people seem to believe he is. I'm not there yet. I think he's the, clearly the, the best odds. prospect, but, uh, but the idea that he can't, that it's Trevor Lawrence, and it doesn't matter what happens, he has to go number one. I, I'm not quite there yet. The Vegas odds have him minus 550 to be the number one overall pick next year, so those are pretty heavy, heavy odds. Mm-hmm. And Drake May, I think, is like plus 800 or something, eight to one. Um, but also Drake may is six foot four, 230 pounds can run really well. Has a, has a, I mean, like like you talk about like the NFL draft and measurables and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, like from a, like being a electrifying player or electric in college doesn't always necessarily translate to being the number one draft prospect. Like you're talking to somebody who covered Braxton Miller at Ohio state. Like I've seen people. I've seen him make jaws drop on a one-yard touchdown run at I Penn State I still think before. about like, that spin I, I, move against Virginia Tech sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of overrated. That's maybe a hot take. Uh, I, but he that does is one, a hot take. I'm going to send you the one-yard touchdown run against Penn State. Please um, do. Where he like shook half the defense out of their cleats and dove into the end zone. Um, but he wasn't a quarterback prospect in the NFL. And I'm not saying that he's Braxton Miller or Caleb Williams, but I'm saying there is a world where Drake may – throws for 5,000 yards and he goes to the combine and is three inches taller and 25 pounds heavier and like looks exactly like you, the prototype of what you want an NFL guy. And that has people, you know how crazy it gets in the pre-draft process with quarterbacks. Remember last year, the grab ass that was happening out with, with, uh, with uh, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Like we see the it only every one year. that, you know, so it's like, it's not just going to be, I mean, maybe it will be, but I don't think it's going to be a, uh, from July 20th to April 15th next year that Caleb Williams is just the number one player and goes like, I think Drake, this point might be wrong and I'm okay with it. It's a hot take, but the point exists because I want people to know that he is worth watching this year and that he is every bit like if Caleb Williams didn't exist, he might've been the number one pick every year, except the year that Trevor Lawrence came out in the last that's five, probably, 10 years. That's like, probably he, he's about right. really, really good. Mm-hmm. So I, I think anyway. he, I want to see him do I want to see him perform better in the big games. He seemed to not not really show up in the big games. If he can do that, that'll be that'll go a yeah. long way. 
that go along yeah. with and get him. Well, there. I hope that, that people's speakers are on fire right now. I hope <laughs> that one of us had you punching your steering wheel at least once. Um, feels really, really good. Thank you so much for watching until Saturday. Uh, follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Leave a thumbs up. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Do everything that you can. Uh, follow me and Dave and the rest of the staff. We're going to have a podcast every single day between on Monday through Friday between now and week zero. Um, the links are in the description. Go to The Athletic. Read our stuff. We are really getting fired back up here. I'm going to learn how to host a little bit better. I'm still trying to figure this out. I'm so um, excited for the season, like, Ari. Yeah, I, like, so listen, you know, th- th- it was a long layoff for us, but we are fired up. We're ready to go. And uh, this is going to be a really fun year. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for your patience. And we will catch you as soon as tomorrow.